<laughs> that was unexpected. <laughs> Happy date night. It's Saturday. Tommaso just said to me, make it a little more lively tonight. So here you go. This is the sound of ice cubes. Ghiaccio is the word for ice cube. Well, ice, but ice cube. Ice cubes in our glass filled with Prosecco and Aperol. We don't even have a fresh orange to put a slice in there, but we don't care. It's a rainy Saturday, May 20th or whatnot. We're doing this a little early because Tommaso has to go out of town. And I just said, hey, how about an Aperol spritz? <laughs> and he goes, Certo, and his <laughs> eyes lit up. So there you have it. Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and this is Tommaso. Si. Come stai? Bene. Bravo. Bene. Sto bene. Sto bene. Okay, episodio 98. Oh, jeez. 98, episode 98. That's awesome. And we are back on Torino. Hold on, I have to put my glass down. Just one sip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Studio is great, but there's a lack of, you know, like a table right next to me so I can have my beverage at hand. All right. Complaining about the studio? An improvement for next week's I'll t- episode. I'll talk to the name on the le- on the masthead, Kimberly. <laughs> see if we can get something in the budget. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> All right, before we get back into Torino and the Chocolato and everything else about this amazing city, we'd like to share a few things. First, I would like to tell you that we received an Instagram message from a woman in regards to our episode... Uh, episode 96 on artificial intelligence. And actually... Artificial intelligence and technology affecting travel planning. Exactly. And actually, Tomasa was a bit concerned as to how popular that may be with all of you. And in the end, it was good. We had a great amount of downloads. I have a history of making people's eyes glaze over at cocktail parties when I talk about technology. Yes, because you can drone on. Just saying. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So let me just share with you what this woman said to me. And just FYI, she has an undergraduate degree in informatics and a master's degree in information systems. And part of her research had been studying how AI will shape or hurt our future. And she went on to say this. I just want to let you guys know how important that episode was to me and I'm sure to many others. And another thing I recently learned is that pricing, this is molto importante, everybody, pricing for third-party travel retail sites will be higher if you are on an iOS, meaning an Apple phone or a laptop compared to an Android or Windows computer. How about that? Artificial intelligence, as we described in that last episode, World Episode 96, how it is affecting online travel, booking sites, airfares, etc. So she, from her studies, knows this and has shared it with me, and I'm sharing it with you. And then she finished by saying, AI has a lot of potential, but nothing, uppercase, will ever replace the human connection we have to others when planning vacations, talking on the phone to an agent or a travel planner about the love they have for a place or simply providing their input based on their own experiences. So mille grazie to this woman for this incredible 
response to our episode. Thank you. My job is secure, I think. I don't get <laughs> fired by the host. All right. And what else did you want to say about um, the weather? Yes, I did want to say something about the weather. In Italy right now, it is terrible. Emilia Romagna has been devastated. By flooding. By flooding. There are 15 people dead. Uh, Scores of farms have been flooded. Uh, Livestock, villages just basically washed away. It's just a good thing to think about. Uh, We're going to try and get some more information on how you might be able to help uh, the people of Emilia Romagna recover. Uh, a small donation. We're trying to do that this week. I could not get through to the Italian consulate in Boston, but I'm still trying. Bamene. All right. So back to Torino. And we left off last week's episode promising to talk about its history of chocolato, chocolate, right? Very few things close to my heart. That's one of them. <laughs> that and pasta. Okay. Well, we're going to share... Chocolato, the history of Chocolato, and Torino's Cucina Italiana. All right, so how did the Torinese start their day? Historically, a person from Torino will start their day by walking into a cafe, and instead of ordering an espresso or a cappuccino or a macchiato, they order a bicerin, okay, spelled B-I-C-E-R-I. I-N. So bicerin is Torino's iconic beverage. It is the quote-unquote heart and soul of every Torinese, and that is truly how they start their day. So check this out. It's made of layers of chocolate, chocolato, coffee, mm-hmm. and whipped cream. Mm. <laughs> to me, that sounds very um, heavy, rich, and kind of an odd way to start the day. However... And the problem is... <laughs> However, I take it that the caffeine and the sweetness, that combination just gets them going. What is my favorite ice cream flavor? Mocha. This ties right into that coffee and chocolate in the morning. Does mocha have coffee? Yes, that's what it is. Coffee and chocolate. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, there you have it. Anyway, a Torinese staple. What they do every morning or like a treat. And again, I'm not sure... That they actually have it afternoon. You know how that after 12 p.m. There's probably a law. There is a law in the rest of Italy. And so this would be like a double lawbreaker. Can I say one thing about the the name? Certo. When I looked at it before you actually told me the right way to pronounce it, I thought it was Bisserin. And it would be a great name for a drug. Hey, <laughs> take two Bisserin and call me in the morning. <laughs> when you see the letter C followed by an E, it's pronounced CHE, so BICERIN. Okay. Okay, all right, moving on. Speaking of this pronunciation of BICERIN, this word BICERIN is a local Torinese dialect, meaning small glass, which is how the drink was historically served. And by the way, BICERI is the word for glass in normal Italian. BICERI, and this is BICERIN. So this morning beverage has become the symbol of Torino and can be found all over the city. And apparently the original recipe came from aptly named Cafe Albicerin. (laughs) And their recipe is a closely guarded secret. And funny enough, the all-female management, which is kind of unheard of for a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. coffee bar, especially one that's so old, 
has taken great care to maintain the traditional methods and productions and source quality ingredients. The chocolate is carefully selected for its low acidity and simmered for hours in these large copper pots that you can actually see in some of these coffee shops. And a native of Torino named Lucia Hanna describes Bicherin as, quote, not only the symbol of Torino, but also its velvety texture and diplomatic flavor are the perfect metaphors for our local way of life and mindset. Interessante, huh? Yeah, this isn't the place where you just knock back two espressos with a little sugar in the morning. No, I think you say it quite elegantly and, and enjoy. Yes, absolutely. So after you have one or two, you wonder why this is so damn good, <laughs> right? So let's get into the chocolate culture of Torino. La cultura chocolato. So I'd like to point out that La Capa made a mistake in the last episode. What? Uh, yes, correct. <laughs> My little research on the side of my index cards I hide. Chocolate first arrived in Italy soon after it was introduced into Europe by the Spanish in the 16th century. There was a little relationship between the Duke of Savoy and someone in Spain. And someone, a king of Spain. A, a woman, I think. The, oh, I think it okay. was, yes. At first, the chocolate was almost exclusively taken in the form of drinks and usually heated up and often served as a form of stimulant. Many versions of the story of how it first came to Torino are about the Duke who decided to introduce chocolate to Italy. And his name was Emmanuel Philibert? That's French, Emmanuel Philibert. Emmanuel Philibert. But this is what I said in last week's episode, that the Duke of Savoy introduced chocolate. Yes, but how it was introduced to him. There was a pre-introduction to the introduction. Okay, fine. Okay. Essentially... To celebrate the new capital city of Torino, the Duke decided to serve a cup of hot chocolate to the entire city. And hence the obsession began. That is awesome. Like with no Can food, you imagine? With no food trucks? <laughs> Did he get everyone, gather everyone into the main piazza? And I, just, I don't know. The main piazza is big. We haven't talked about that. You I will know, at some I know, future. I know. We've get, I we'll know. get there. Anyway, things changed when Piemontese entrepreneurs began discovering ways to solidify chocolate. In the 1800s. And thanks to their efforts, a thriving industry developed in the city of Torino, which is still a capital of chocolate in the world today. These small chocolatiers, they created some of these beautiful confections that we see today. When you walk into that place and you look around and as someone once said, you feed the eyes as well as the palate. Mm. And, you know, when you look at those, you're like, which one should I have? I will say. So you can't lose. Right. I will say that both the French and the Italians and their patisserias and their chocolate shops are so impressive and they're so beautiful visually right. that you want them all. Yes. But it's a it's their presentation of all of it in a beautiful interior. And then when you eat it, it's just like, whoa. Right, shall we talk about the benefits of Italy's chocolate obsession? Yes, we should, because this is something that I didn't know much about, but I really want to talk about it because... I love <laughs> understatement chocolate, right? <laughs> the Italians today know that chocolate is not only delicious, but it's healthy as well. And again and again, scientists have found that it's actually a nutritious food. Dark chocolate, which I love, is very high in antioxidants and which latch onto the free radicals in our bloodstream. I'm not quite sure what that means. I don't know what free <laughs> radicals are, but it sounds good. 
and it's preventing illness and combating aging, which is why oh. I probably look so good. Oh, well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I eat chocolate as well, and I do not look good. Which also, the flavonoids in them guard against cancer. That's what they say. So in other studies, they have found that chocolate promotes better heart health, reduced harmful cholesterol, limits blood pressure, and even promotes better brain functioning. So this is why I'm so sharp at this age. Oh, stop it. Because of dark chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say those two things, anti-aging and better brain functioning, haven't really like set in to this body. But anyway. So you know, as you see me, I have a handful of Ghirardelli dark chocolate after lunch almost. A handful of dark chocolate chips. Yes, Yes, every day. Mm-hmm. And I love Green and Blacks, which is a British chocolate company. I don't know why you're saying that in this episode because about Italian chocolate. Is it just damn good chocolate? No, it's not. It's yes, it is. And I can make that Italians. bar what I pick up at the <laughs> checkout counter. I can make that bar last for a week. Just brag, one or two little squares a day. All you want, okay? <laughs> a right, square or me... two every day keeps the doctor away. Let me um, go back to the culinary boundaries that the Italians have tried over the years. Here's a bit of history in how chocolate was test-driven into other recipes and meals, okay? Some recipes are as far back as 1680 for quote-unquote savory dishes with chocolate. Ready? Pappardelle with rabbit and chocolate sauce. (laughs) Okay, here, this one really makes me cringe. Fried liver accented (laughs) with dark chocolate. And these are legit. Like we found these recipes. Now this one I could do. Polenta topped with chocolate breadcrumbs, almonds, and cinnamon. Mm. That to me sounds molto, molto buono. And there's also one one you forgot we talked about the other night. The lasagna and anchovy with almonds and chocolate sauce. Okay, bad combo. (laughs) Luckily, I have not seen these recipes on any um, Italian menus anywhere. They're not in our recipe books, that's for sure. (laughs) It was common practice, actually, to season foods with chocolate. And this poet, Francesco Arisi, wrote a poem in 1736. He was a famous Italian poet. And the name of his poem was Il Chocolato, the chocolate. And in the poem, it even pokes fun at cooks who overuse it. And then we have already discussed Science in the Kitchen, the famous, famous cookbook, probably the first major Italian cookbook by Pellegrino Artuzzi, published in 1891. He includes a delicious recipe he calls Torta alla Milanese, which is like a pie, a Milan pie. And it's made with, this is another interesting combo, minced beef, chocolate, pine nuts, and raisins. My taste buds are just aren't jumping up right now. <laughs> All right. I'm very good with keeping chocolate away from meat and pasta. I'll just say that right now. All righty. Now, finally, one last little tidbit about chocolate from Torino being mixed with hazelnuts. Now, hold on before you're going to get into your, like, <clears throat> anti-you-know-what. Let me just share... <laughs> There's a chocolate, a very famous chocolate called Gianduotto, and it was invented in Torino. And from the very beginning, it was shaped like little bars of gold or silver. It's almost like, I don't know, maybe almost an inch long. And you know how a bar, you know how all the bars of gold we have hanging around here, (laughs) it's shaped like that in miniature. 
And they're even wrapped individually. Every single piece is wrapped individually in either gold or silver foil. And they are made of mixing cocoa, chocolate with ground hazelnuts. And oh, Dio mio, they're so soft and they slowly melt in your mouth. It is also like that description of velvety chocolate. I love Love Gianduotos. So, unfortunately, this might have been the beginnings of the evolution of Nutella, <laughs> which I just cannot stomach. <laughs> it goes like with milk chocolate. It's not part of my DNA. And Nutella was a brand that was invented in Torino. It's made in, right outside of T- Torino, and it's a global phenomenon. But let me tie this back to a sailing story. Another sailing story. I sailed on a boat with several Danes. Oh, my God. They love Nutella. Lars and Klaus, if you're listening to this. (laughs) And they lapped up Nutella on everything. I've seen dogs less enamored with a freshly grilled hamburger. It, It just does nothing for me. Dark chocolate compared to Nutella is like from the penthouse to the outhouse. That's the way I view it. Wow. That's, that's, well, Tommaso, every single neighbor I ever had in Italy, wherever there were children... In all the different apartments I lived in, there was Nutella Mm -hmm. from birth, basically. And I'll just say a quick story about my neighbor, Susanna, in Milano, in my last apartment. She had two children, Liza and Joshua, and this was their breakfast in the morning. And when I moved into the apartment on Via Meda next to Susanna, I'd say Joshua was maybe five and Liza was maybe nine. Every morning, Susan would make steamed milk and add a little coffee to it, put it down in front of the five-year-old. So it was like this very light brown, but it had coffee in it, okay? Espresso in the steamed milk. Weaning. Yes. And then he had Nutella on these. She bought these like crostini type of, like they're a sweet kind of um, dried bread almost like a stale bread. I don't know how to call it. It's like a biscotti. Okay, but a softer biscotti. She would take them out. <laughs> you should see. I'm so happy we're not on YouTube because I'm cringing right now. I'm cringing. Right now. cringing. <laughs> so here's the five-year-old drinking the steamed coffee, steamed milk with espresso, and then this like soft uh, biscotti type thing, and he'd slather she just let him do it. He'd slather Ugh. the Nutella on it, and that was his breakfast. And then off he goes to kindergarten, like all amped up. <laughs> anyway, all right. So shall we move on? Yes, now that we've had our morning chocolate well, we're or Nutella, let's move on to lunch or dinner. Go. And of course, the other thing that's close to my heart, near and dear, pasta. Yes. And I could live without chocolate, but I could not live without pasta. And as we have discussed in previous episodes, all pastas are not alike. And Torino and Piemonte have their own pasta, tajarin. And it is just amazing. The word tajarin is Piemontese dialect for taglioni or tagliatelle. No, no, no. Hold on. You're what? close. You're close. You Sorry? don't pronounce the G when it's in front of, you just don't pronounce the G in the middle of a letter. So taglioni. Not taglioni. Taglioni. This is for everybody's See? benefit. And this other pasta is hard to pronounce. I will say tagliarini. Tagliarini. Bravo. See, okay. I just need a little coaching. Mm-hmm. Thanks, That's Jay. what I'm here for. <laughs> My own version of 
Ted S. Lasso over here. Oh, jeez. Anyway. <laughs> I just got that. That was so bad. It was good. <laughs> so it's a very thin, hand-cut, rich pasta that belongs to the spaghetti family. There are significant differences between those famous noodles and tajarine. So spaghetti is only made from durum wheat, semolina and water. And it's considered to be a poor pasta. This is where down in Puglia and everything, they didn't have eggs. And they made pasta like that without eggs. If you had eggs, you were wealthier, essentially. But also remember Umbria? Umbria, yes. They do not yes. use eggs right, either. Right, right. It's all. But tajarine, in contrast, is the richest egg pasta around. And in Piemonte, it's an expression of the very local culture, traditions, and the identity, the wealth of that area. And typically, a pasta dough like our friend Paolo made would be one egg to one cup of flour. So I've inherited or I absorbed that lesson from him when making <laughs> fresh pasta. That's how I make it. So there are approximately eight cups of flour in a kilo, which is 2.2 pounds of flour. And for that, you would use about eight eggs. But for tajarine, one of the original recipes called for 30 to 40 egg yolks. Dio mio. With no, no egg whites, just the yolks, which is why it's oh, so rich. That's why it's that color. That's also. why it's so color, right. So I know what you're thinking. Holy cholesterol, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so Stop with that Batman thing. <laughs> most, of our, most of our demographic in this podcast knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> leave it up to the Italians to make a richer pasta than normal. So, tajarine became a typical Sunday dish par excellence at Piemonte, and this pasta leads to a very good nap. Food coma. We have to make this pasta. We haven't made it yet. Oh, my gosh. We're going to. You want to? And it is a go-to recipe to make for important celebrations, especially considering the high price of eggs historically. It was a sign of wealth. Mm -hmm. And another characteristic of tajarine pasta, it is very thin and just a bit longer than regular spaghetti. And if you're a real pasta aficionado, you're going to have your tape measure out measuring the length of it, but I won't. But the fact is, it's hand cut. And it is That's a little, why it looks a little rough. It looks a little rough because it's hand cut. So it's usually seasoned with a simple brown butter sauce and with sage. sage, of course. And sage, right. And of course, Parmigiano on top of that. Oh, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But they but, also, I knew, I know that they serve it with meat sauce. Yes, too. some pork and some sausage and whatnot. So anyway, we'll be making that shortly here at, wow. Kimber at headquarters, Kimberly's Italy. What an adventure! I'll just watch and take pictures. All right, shall we carry on a little bit? See, si. Torino, as you know, in Piemonte, is famous for also the truffle. How better yet the, to adorn a wonderful pasta. Mm, yes, right? Remember last fall? Woo, Dio mio. Anyway, Torino, Piemonte, is also home to the white truffle, which is nicknamed the diamond in the kitchen. La Diamante in la cucina. So the white truffle from Alba, in particular, a village area in Piemonte, which is about 30, 30 miles, 50 kilometers from Torino, the white truffle from Alba is the most expensive in the world, and it has commanded up to 500 euro per 100 grams, depending upon the quality of the supply. How much is 100 grams? 
It's not Who a knows, lot. It's not right? a lot. It's not a lot. We don't know because we use pounds and ounces, but it's not a lot, right? And as the global appetite for truffles grow, so do the amount of tourists that go to Alba, Torino, and the entire Piemonte region, which is basically the Tartufo capital of Italy. So they say. However, I disagree, not that I disagree because I don't know, but there are amazing truffles in Umbria, Tuscany. So when all these visitors descend into Piemonte for the truffle season, they it's not only the truffles. They come for the wine, which we haven't even discussed yet. Mm, Barolo. Mm, yum. And the dining. Piemonte alone includes 33 Michelin star restaurants. And that says quite a bit, doesn't it? It certainly does. Truffle season officially kicks off on the first weekend in October with the Alba White Truffle Fair, which is now in its 85th year. And the giant undercover market, which celebrates all things truffle, is held every weekend since the beginning of October until the middle of November. So basically, they can come by your table like they did in Trist Avery last year. You mean the waiter? The waiter. And they shave the truffle on and, you know, they ballpark it. They know how much they've they've put on there. But six to eight grams is about 50 euros. But that's- Is 50, it worth it? Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. We will do it. And We have done it. And the biggest truffle ever sold was 103,000 euros. One individual truffle, which was about the size of a closed fist, I bet. Yeah. Dio mio, that's incredible, right? So, on that note, I'm saving my quarters until October. <laughs> All right. How um, how many minutes do we have left? Anything? We're done. Finito. All right. Well, hold on. Let's have one last sip of Aperol Spritz. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad we're back to this because we've been in we've been in a dry spell. You know, we've been recording like mid-afternoon, so Saturday night, date night, Aperol Spritz. We could talk for hours. (laughs) All right, so I don't know if we'll continue on with our Piemonte Vino next week's episode, not sure. However, we're glad you're here. We thank you again for all of the reviews. Oh, we did get a new review. We'll we'll, we'll catch up with that one next week. All right, it was lovely. But I also want to say just one thing. Yes. If people are thinking about traveling, yes, please get in touch with Kimberly because it is very, very busy out there and you've got to give enough time so you can get the accommodations that you want. In your price range and, and what makes you happy, that's the challenge. If someone gets in touch without enough notice, it's like, oh, okay, this is what's left and they pick the best of what's available. You've already had someone talk about 2025. Yes, I have. Yes. And I have several clients for 2024. So, bravo. Okay. Grazie mille tutti e ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.